are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locks On Podcast Network. Your team every day you're listening to who? The always wonderful and might I add handsome host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please check out my website, millerthomas 24 dotmyportfolio.com on there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show we're going to get to the hot stove rumors of the day we're going to look at the diamondbacks offseason checklist and see which of their items they checked off during the winter meetings and then finally we're going to be looking at number three on the five biggest moves in Diamondbacks franchise history during the winter meetings we'll look at their third biggest move during the winter meetings today so stay tuned for that but first if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locks on Diamondbacks to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at lockedondiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account at LockedOnDiamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, let's jump right into it. And let's first look at those off-season rumors, the hot stove rumors of the day. And there was actually a signing today, probably the biggest news of the day. Hunter Renfro is signing with the Red Sox. He's going from one AL East team to another, from the Tampa Bay Rays to the Red Sox. It looks like they're going to be losing out on Jackie Bradley, most likely. And so they wanted Hunter Renfro there, who is expected to be one of those corner outfielders and is expected to, you know, have a pretty big role with the Red Sox. They think he could be uh, a pretty, they think he could be a guy that could really take advantage of Fenway Park. And they might add another outfielder. They might want to go with a four man rotation out there, a little platoon situation. So the Red Sox might not be done adding to their outfield. The White Sox are emerging as a primary suitor for Liam Hendricks. Right now, Hendricks seems to be the hottest name in free agency when it comes to that closer situation. His name I probably see pop up more than anyone else when it comes to teams looking for back end of the bullpen help. And, of course, he's a great. He's, he's been phenomenal the last couple of seasons. Liam Hendricks, he has a really good ear rate as a closer, so no surprise there as to why teams really want, uh, really want Liam Hendricks in. The White Sox need to fill the void left by Alex Colom because he's a free agent. They haven't, of course, re-signed him, so they need a closer to, to fill that hole. And Liam Hendricks would be a perfect guy for that. So watch out for Liam Hendricks to the Chicago White Sox. Apparently, the San Francisco Giants 
are in on Trevor Bauer. They're just taking a look at him. They 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 are experimenting. You know what? You know scenarios. What if Trevor Bauer was in our rotation? So watch out for that. The Giants are interested in Trevor Bauer. Now they're not saying that. There's no rumor saying they've engaged in any talks with Trevor Bauer, but they're bringing Kevin Gosman back in. They want to get a little bit younger in their rotation, a little bit more get a little bit more talent to that rotation as well. So if you could get Trevor Bauer and Kevin Gosman, that's a nice little one-two combination in your rotation. And the last big rumor of the day probably is uh, the Oakland A's have been in contact with Tommy LaStella. He's a solid outfielder who can hit for average, has decent pop, and knows how to get on base and play some solid defense. So he would be a nice pickup for the A's. I don't think he's an elite-level player, but for what you're probably going to pay him, he's going to give you the production that matches up with what you're going to pay him. And he doesn't strike out a lot at all. He actually had more walks than strikeouts in the past two seasons. So that now the thing is, he hasn't played a ton of games in the last two seasons. Only 549 plate appearances over the last two years. But in those plate appearances, he has 21 home runs. He has more walks and strikeouts. So some pretty good numbers there from Tommy LaStella. Now, Outside of free agent news, the biggest news probably yesterday, too, was that we found out the Cleveland Indians are changing their name. And that's really important and impactful. And this is something that people of that community have been wanting to change for a long time. Just like what we saw in the NFL with the Washington football team going from the Redskins to the football team. It's just a derogatory term. And the Indians might not be as derogatory a term as the Redskins, but you probably shouldn't be using a name that even has to be, you know, measured for how derogatory it can be. I mean, if you're asking questions like that, then you already know you're in the wrong. And it's a name that, you know, refers to a group of people. And that's something we shouldn't just be using names that probably refer to anybody. I'm okay with using names that refer to animals, that refers to inanimate objects, but to ethnicities and groups of people, minorities, we probably shouldn't be using names to refer to collective group of people. It's it just not right. It's not respectful. And you don't understand what kind of, you know, residual effect that has on someone. It may not seem that big of a deal, but when someone growing up, when they're still young and impressionable, that does make a difference on their life. And representation does matter. Seeing how you're portrayed in media and just uh, your culture, how that's portrayed in media, just in the society, that matters. And to a young person, seeing, you know, who might be of uh, American Indian descent, seeing their culture kind of mocked just for the use of a mascot, it, it is disrespectful and it is impressionable on someone who might be of a younger stature in a maturity who, as they start growing up to their formative years, it's really going to impact them and it's really going to uh, really affect them and how they might view themselves in the world and society. So I'm glad to see the Cleveland Indians are changing their name. Now, I want to look at the D-backs off-season checklist and see what we can cross off off their Christmas list, basically, with the holiday season around. Let's see what Mike Hazen brought us during the winter meetings, what needs can we cross off after these winter meetings? And we know going into the winter meetings, there was really three big things that the D-backs needed. They needed back into the bullpen help. They needed some more rotation depth, most likely, just because in case that the D-backs have good rotation depth, but 
they they needed more just because they had so many guys that had down years. Maybe you could replace them with some other guys they have in your depth just waiting. And then finally, they needed just additional offense. Uh, we know how bad the D-backs offense was last year. And so that additional offense primarily probably needs to come from the center field second base or shortstop position and possibly even third base so more offense more bullpen help and more rotation help which is basically the three pillars to a major league baseball team so let's see how the d-backs did in each one so additional offense what did the d-backs do who did they sign to bring some more sparks to this uh offense during the 2021 season who did they sign during the winter meetings no one. They didn't sign anybody to help out this offense, and I thought maybe they could walk away with a center fielder like a Jackie Bradley, maybe a second baseman. You know, there are some names out there, maybe a shortstop if they want to get crazy with a guy like Marcus Simeon, but they didn't do anything. But don't worry, we still got two more areas of need. So how about the back end of the bullpen? There's so many guys out there. Could even bring back a guy like Archie Bradley. We talked about Liam Hendricks, Alex Colomb, Brad Hand, a bunch of dudes out there on the way waivers not the waivers but in free agency for the back end of the bullpen who did the d-backs get nobody another position another need where the d-backs didn't address at all and then finally rotation depth the d-backs have a lot of starters in their rotation already but they could use some extra dudes in there just because of you know we still don't know covid situation in 2021 and if more dudes falter and not live up to expectations they might have to make some tough decisions for next season but did you add any more starters in case you have to make those tough decisions no the d-backs didn't sign anyone that could be a starter either so who did the d-backs walk away with during the winter meetings nobody they just did some rule five stuff of course they drafted in the rule five and then they traded someone that they drafted in the rule five and they really didn't do anything else outside of that so what grade would i give the d-backs during the winter meetings incomplete because what grade can you give someone who didn't even take the test so i'm hoping the d-backs there's still a lot of offseason left i'm hoping the d-backs do something still i still got hope i'm hoping they can still go out there and sign someone to bring some spark to this offense to bring some much needed pitching help but so far nothing has been done but in my case we trust now coming up we'll look at the third biggest move in diamondbacks franchise history during the winter meetings but first i want to talk to you guys about built bar because built bar is back more improved and more delicious than ever before. They have 18 amazing flavors, but six new flavors caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're both soft and easy to chew. Now, the reason why I love Built Bars is because I'm a health conscious guy. And the Bilt Bar actually tricks me. It makes me think I'm eating a candy bar when in reality I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in sugar, low in calorie, but high in protein and high in fiber. So it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. If you use promo code LOCKDOWN, you could get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BiltBar.com. Let's get 
back into it and let's look at that third biggest move during the winter meetings in Diamondbacks franchise history. Now let's see how good your guys' memories are because this is a deal that is not uh, too recent. This is a deal that happened back in 2007 and this was for a guy that you guys definitely know who you guys definitely thought was a stud for your rotation but probably wasn't here as long as you would have liked but who still became a fan favorite and that is Dan Heron and Dan Heron was a stud for the Arizona Dimebacks for the what two and a half seasons he was here it was not a very long time but Dan Heron was a stud for the D-backs and the Dan Heron move was not a bad one by the D-backs like the other two trades we discussed on last week's pods number four was D-backs acquiring Mark Trumbo, and they gave up Adam Eaton in that deal, and they also gave up uh, Tyler Skaggs in that deal. So Mark Trumbo never worked out, so that wasn't a very good deal by the D-backs. And then the number five biggest deal was trading Miguel Montero so you could have enough money to sign Yasmani Tomas, who we all know didn't work out either. But this one, number three, signing Dan Heron, or excuse me, trading for Dan Heron, I, I don't think this was, uh, well, in, I'll say this. Looking back at it at the time with the hindsight, let's say two years hindsight, you would say wasn't a bad move just because Dan Heron was so dynamite for the D-backs and he did live up to to being, you know, the quality starter that the D-backs were hoping for. But when you look up when you look at who the D-backs gave up in that deal, they gave up a ton for a ton for Dan Heron. And I think it's a little bit, you know, overlooked who they gave up in this deal. So in the, just in the Dan Heron deal itself, the D-backs gave up one, two, three, four, five, six players. They gave up Brett Anderson, who's still a good relief pitcher to this day. They gave up a couple of other dudes who didn't really have, you know, very successful careers. Aaron Cunningham, Dana, Dana Evelyn, and Greg Smith. Those three people didn't have, you know, very prosperous careers, but... They also gave up Brett Anderson, who's still really featured to this day. They gave up Chris Carter, who hasn't been in the league a couple years, but did lead baseball in home runs one season with 41. And Carlos Gonzalez was in that deal. And we all know that, you know, the work he used to put in for the Colorado Rockies. And those are just the players that were included in that physical deal. Dan Heron for these players. But to actually make that deal happen, the D-backs had to acquire... They had to acquire Chris Carter. They didn't have Chris Carter waiting on their team, you know, in their wings before the deal. They had to go out and acquire Chris Carter, kind of like a three-team deal, but this was a deal that was made prior to the Dan Heron trade because they knew the Oakland A's wanted Chris Carter back in a Dan Heron trade. They knew they had to go get him. So what what did the D-backs do? They traded Carlos Quinton to the White Sox to get back Chris Carter so they know they could pull off the Dan Heron deal. And Carlos Quinton... If we could just look at his numbers real quick, when he was with the D-backs, he wasn't, uh, you know, a super productive player, and it wasn't like he had a huge opportunity. He only played about 130 games through his first two seasons with the D-backs, more of a utility guy, an unproven young player, but that first year, that first year after the D-backs traded him in 08 to the White Sox, he became an all-star immediately and finished fifth in MVP voting and got a Silver Slugger Award. Batted 288, 394 OBP, 965 OPS, 36 bombs, 100 ribbies. 
He went on to be a great player for the White Sox for the next few years. Carlos Gonzalez, as I mentioned before, of the Colorado Rockies mostly. Uh, he was a three-time All-Star with the Rockies, a guy who was a 25-25 kind of guy, multiple gold glove winner, multiple silver slugger winner, finished third in MVP voting one year, and a guy like Brett Anderson too, who is not the sexiest name, but still a pretty solid uh, starter, really. Uh, he could be your number four, fifth starter. He's had a pretty long career since then, a 4.06 career ERA, so not too shabby at all. So when you think about you know, the players that were included in this deal. Yes, you got Dan Heron back, who over his two seasons with the D-backs was pretty good. An all-star in both 08 and 09 with the team before they traded him to the to the Angels. But when you think about what they gave up, Carlos Gonzalez, Carlos Quinn, that's at least two all-star outfielders that you could have had. Two guys who could get you 25 home runs, 25 stolen bases, get on base at consistently and hit for a solid average. And another guy in Brett Anderson who could have been your probably fourth starter in your rotation. So that was a lot to give up. And the reason why the D-backs did it was they won 90 games in 07. And it was a little bit improbable. It was a season that they really didn't think they were going to compete because they weren't really competing in the seasons prior to that. Prior to 07, the D-backs weren't doing too hot, honestly, because in 06, they won 76 games, 77 and 05, 51 and 04, and 84 and 03. So they hadn't made the playoffs in four straight seasons. And then they get to the championship series in 07. So now the D-backs are thinking, hey, maybe we got a shot here. Maybe we're only a couple pieces away. So before the 07 season, too, actually, they actually went out and acquired Randy Johnson before the 07 season. And then he missed the entire year with injuries, but they still made it to the championship series. So now they're entering 08. They're saying, we already got Brandon Webb, who we know is another another Cy Young level pitcher. We got Randy Johnson, but he's 44 years old. He's still got another year left somehow in him, but he's 44. So what do the D-backs do? They go out there and acquire Dan Heron, who... Is a pretty good number two starter for them. He goes out there and pitches over 200 innings in that 08 season. But the D-backs problem is their offense just wasn't good enough. They didn't have enough talent and they end up going 82 and 80. And like I said, their talent offensively wasn't great. Their best player was either Mark Reynolds or Steven Drew, maybe Chris Young. It just wasn't a very deep team. It wasn't a very stacked team with talent. And because of it, they didn't go very far at all. And the 82 games was a disappointment for them. But the craziest thing, actually, even though they won 82 games back in 08, they only finished two games back of winning their division. So 82 games, only won the NL, almost won the NL West in 2008. But it unfortunately did. And the D-backs ended up trading Dan. Dan Heron just you know two and a half seasons later but the funny thing is we mentioned how the fourth biggest move during Diamondbacks franchise history during the winter meetings was them signing or not signing but trading for Mark Trumbo and giving up Adam Ian and Tyler Skaggs but when the D-backs traded Dan Heron to the Angels they actually got Tyler Skaggs back in return so the D-backs acquired Tyler Skaggs from the Angels for Dan Heron and then traded Skaggs back to the Angels when they wanted Mark Trumbo. So I guess we can say the Angels have a pretty have a pretty good track record of uh, of fleecing the uh, D-backs. And that's pretty funny because 
I'm always on the spot ripping Mike Trout. So it's kind of funny that the Angels kind of get their retribution by always taking advantage of the Arizona Diamondbacks. But trading for a Dan Heron wasn't inherently bad because he was so good with the team. But when you think when you think about it and you think about the players you gave up, Gonzalez, Quinton, Brett Anderson, then I have to go back and say, hey, the deal wasn't worth it. If you kept those players, you probably would have built a better team than what you than what you were trying to do with Dan Heron because honestly, the D-backs didn't have enough pieces in place. And even though the move didn't work out because the D-backs didn't get the results they wanted, at least like the process and them being aggressive during the offseason, trying to make their team better when they made it to the championship series. So I do like that for the for the D-backs during the time. And I hope Mike Hazen could take something from that. And hopefully he sees what they did back then. He can learn from their mistakes, but still end up being aggressive during this free agency period. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in today. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!